Would you open your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, on page 196 in your pew Bibles. Deuteronomy chapter 26, page 196. And this morning we're going to look at four short verses, verses 16 to 19. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 16 to 19. The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways, that you will keep his decrees, commands and laws and that you will obey him. And the Lord and the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession, as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame and honor high above all the nations he has made and that you will be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised. I want you to imagine a crowd of people, men and women and wiggly kids and old people and young people all gathered together, but not a crowd of seven, eight hundred, but I want you to imagine a crowd of thousands and tens of thousands, perhaps even hundreds of thousands massed together. And don't imagine this crowd standing in a, a beautiful new facility, but imagine them standing out in the desert on a flat place near a river. And I want you to envision a preacher preaching at them, but not a 40-year-old dude with a tie. I want you to imagine an old man in his hundreds bent over, maybe a long white beard. The man I'm asking you to imagine is Moses. The place where he is preaching is on the plains east of the Jordan River, just east of the Promised Land. The people to whom he's preaching are the people of Israel. And the book of Deuteronomy is the sermon that Moses preached or series of sermons probably that he preached 3,500-ish years ago to this people as they were preparing to enter the promised land. And the sermon is about God's people committing themselves to be faithful to God. In this sermon of Deuteronomy, Moses was preaching a sermon about the covenant. He was telling them what it is that Israel needed to do to be the faithful people of God. From chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, where we've been for like the last year, to chapter 26 of Deuteronomy is a collection of laws, instructions, from general laws down to specific nitty-gritty details, all about what it means to be the people of God, what it means to live together as God's people. And then here in Deuteronomy 26, at the very end of this massive section with the laws of the people of God, you come to verses 16 to 19 in which Moses calls the people of Israel to rededicate themselves to following him. Could there be a better 
passage in Deuteronomy for us to study on a day like this than this passage here in Deuteronomy 26, verses 16 to 19. Because here we are, a crowd, maybe not as big as Israel, but a crowd, and not just any crowd, a crowd of the people of God, as manifested in this local congregation. We are not standing on the edge of the Jordan River, but but we are very much like Israel, poised on a new day. We're in a new phase in our church's life. We haven't just switched sanctuaries, but it, it, it feels as if we're starting a new day of life and ministry together as a congregation. Things are changing, and I don't know where they're going, and I don't know what it'll look like. I'm just like you, going into new territory, and it's really exciting. And uh, and we, the people of God, have been studying Deuteronomy for this last year, just like the Israelites heard that sermon. You know, why did we study Deuteronomy for the last year? Well, because it's all about living as the people of God. So as we've been building the church, we've also been studying how to be the church through the lens of the Old Testament scriptures. And so just as the Israelites were in this place where it was time for them now to rededicate themselves to the Lord, I believe if there ever was a day for us to rededicate ourselves to the Lord, this is a perfect day. You know, what a day, what a moment for us to stand together and recommit ourselves. We are here not just to dedicate a building. We are here to dedicate our hearts and our lives to continuing to follow the Lord and his mission. Look at verse 16. It says, The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Moses is starting to sum up from chapter 5 to chapter 26. He's given all of these laws, and now he's kind of turning a corner and saying, Okay, all these laws you've heard, it's now time to obey them. And then in verses 17 to 19, you have this really interesting section where Moses calls the Israelites and the Lord to kind of rededicate themselves to each other. Look at verse 17. He says to Israel, you have declared this day. You've made a promise. You've said something. You've declared this day that the Lord is your God. And then the other side of it, verse 18 And the Lord has declared this day that you are his people. So so there's a mutual declaration that's taking place. You you know what? I was trying to think of a modern equivalent to this, and and I kept thinking of uh, wedding vow renewals. I don't know if you've ever renewed a wedding vow, or maybe your your parents or grandparents have. Sometimes uh, people will come to us as pastors and say, it's our 25th anniversary. It's our 50th anniversary. We want to renew our wedding vows together. It's not that they're getting married again. But they're just recommitting themselves to those vows and those promises they've made. And what's taking place in this text is like a wedding vow renewal ceremony between the Lord and his people. As they stand again on their, you could say, 40th anniversary, having left Egypt, and on that 40th anniversary saying, we are going to recommit ourselves to being the people of God. What a perfect text for us today to consider recommitting ourselves to the Lord in this moment. Let's just very quickly look at both halves of that vow, because there's a vow from the Lord and a vow from the people. The people's comes first, verse 17. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways, that you will keep his commands and laws and that you will obey him. I love that. You've declared this day that the Lord is your God. 
They're saying God is our God. Do you just hear the relational intimacy and commitment of that? It's not we declare this day that we believe in a God. It's not simply we declare this day that we think there is a higher power. It's not just we believe uh, that there's someone out there watching over us or we believe that it's important for us to be spiritual. It was something far more profound. It was the Lord is our God. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like when my wife and I took our wedding vows and my wife said to me, I, Jennifer, take you, Jeremy, to be my husband. The Lord is our God. It's, it's wedding commitment language. And they're pledging themselves to the Lord. And so, as I said, may I suggest that if there ever was a day for South Shore Baptist Church to re-pledge ourselves to the Lord, it's this day. What a perfect day to commit ourselves again to Christ, to commit ourselves again to Jesus, to commit ourselves again to the gospel. That's what we need to do today. What does it look like to commit ourselves to the Lord? Well, it starts in the heart. You know, you see that at the end of verse 16. Observe these laws, look at verse 16, with all your heart and with all your soul. That's so Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. To be dedicated to the Lord starts in the heart. Are our hearts dedicated to the Lord? Is there a, a, a passion and an affection and a, that inner part of you that no one can see except you and the Lord? Is that part of you leaning toward Christ and straining toward Him? You know, it's like, again, to use this marriage analogy, which I think fits the text so well. It's like a husband and a wife. You know, a husband and wife can live in the same house, but sometimes their hearts can be close, and sometimes their hearts can be far apart, even though they're under the same roof and in the same bed. And so this is a call for us to live with our hearts close to the Lord. Can it be said of this congregation, can it be said of us as individuals, as was said of Israel of old, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These people honor me with song and with a new building, but their hearts are far from me. I don't know where your heart is today. Where's my heart? That's something we can only answer for ourselves. But wherever your heart is, whether you have been walking in close fellowship with the Lord arm in arm, or whether you've kind of strayed off like that lost sheep that got lost in the ditch, wherever you are, this is a day to recommit yourself and to recommit your heart to the Lord. And not just our hearts, our lives and our actions. Again, look at the text. It's all about obedience. That's the through line. Obey His Word. You know, it says, verse 17, you've declared this day that the Lord is your God. And what does that mean? That you will walk in His ways, keep His decrees, commands and laws, that you will obey Him just over and over. What's in our hearts needs to be reflected in our lives. What, what we commit to in here that no one can see needs to bubble over and outward where everybody can see. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so we also need to be a people who are not only dedicated to the Lord in our, our spirits and our attitudes and intentions, but also in our lives. And so again, it's a day to ask ourselves, is my life dedicated to the Lord? Am I living in sin? Do I need to repent? Have I gotten off track? Are there parts of my life that are very incongruous with what it means to be living together as the people of God? 
So we need to check ourselves. And, and if, if you are, if, if you're a backslidden Christian, even if you've wandered far away and have gotten into a mess, man, today is the day to repent and to come back and to seek the Lord again. To again stand with Israel and say, the Lord is our God and we will follow Him. This is a day for us as a congregation to rededicate ourselves to the gospel. You know, why are we here? We're here for the gospel. Why do we build this larger room to make more room for people to come and hear the gospel here, as well as to train people and send them out for the gospel? The gospel is our bread and butter. But let's not change the play now that we're in a new building. Let's rededicate ourselves to the gospel message. I was really touched uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was at an elder prayer meeting. Our elders, who are kind of the governing uh, body of this church, um, appointed by the church. The elders were meeting, and they, they meet once a month to pray, and they pray for all the, the members, and they pray for each other. And we share prayer requests, and one of the elders said to me, he said, you know, what I would like prayer for is that I would be more urgent in sharing the gospel with others. And he put it this way, it was, I, I want to be willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. I want to be willing to cross those social lines that are also clearly marked here in New England, as you know, where you can and can't go, and be willing to cross that line and be a little bit uncomfortable and say, I need to tell you about the Lord, or why don't you come to church with me? I'd love for you to come. But we need to rededicate ourselves to the gospel message, because that's why we're here. And maybe some of us have gone soft in our hearts on the gospel. This is the day to rededicate and come back. Or maybe just one last one. Maybe you've never said that the Lord is your God. Maybe you've never taken Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never said, yes, the Lord is my God. You know, you've been raised in the church. You've gone to church. Someone's drug you to this church. You were in the old sanctuary. Now you're in the new sanctuary. But has anything changed besides your location? You know, is the Lord your God? Uh, As we all know, sticking a steeple on a building doesn't make it a church. And putting a person inside of a church building doesn't make them a Christian. It's when Christ is in the building that it's a church. And it's when Christ is in our hearts that we're really Christians. And so this is a day, if, if you've been on the fence, if you've been wrestling with this, this is a day to lay aside your sin and lay aside your self reliance and put all of your faith in Christ. This is a day to dedicate yourself to the Lord. So, my friends, we're not here just to dedicate a building. May I suggest that this needs to be a day where we are rededicating ourselves to Christ, or maybe in some of our cases, for the very first time, saying, yes, I want to follow the Lord and taking that step of faith ourselves. But it's not just our dedication. It's also a day for the Lord to reiterate His dedication to us. Look at verse 18. Here's the other side of the vow. Here's the other side of the the wedded couple recommitting themselves. Look at verse 18. The Lord has said, has declared this day, you are His people. Just think of that phrase. God saying, you are my people. This is the kind of phrase that the more you turn it over in your head, the bigger it gets the more astounding that concept that God, the God who created the world, the God we've been singing about, the God that Seth prayed to, you know, who is so great and we're just dust, that 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 God 
would reach down to a sinful people like us and say, you are my people. It's amazing. And then, lest we miss the, the astounding nature that God would take a people, Moses goes on to, to elaborate on it. What does it mean for God to take a people? Look at these three explanations. Number one, to be his people means we are his treasured possession. That God would tr- take sinners and treasure them. That's amazing. This uh, Last week I was in Paris. It was my first time there. Um, it's my wife's 40th birthday. I, uh, you know, for my 40th birthday, I played paintball and had barbecue. And uh, she wanted to go to Paris, so, you know, go figure. Um, but it was, yeah, Paris, you know, uh, from from a, a dude's dude to other dudes, you should go and take your wives if you can. It was really great. It's an amazing city. And, um, you know, the Louvre is amazing and the Arc de Triomphe and the Eiffel Tower. We went to Versailles, the palace of King Louis the Fourteenth, and you know it's it's this great palace of the great king, the Sun King Louis the Fourteenth, and it's filled with treasures, you know, paintings and tapestries and silverware and jewels. You know, it's it's an amazing place, and you know, here's this idea of a king gathering treasures, and to think that the maker of the universe is going to Fill his palace in heaven in the new creation with treasures being rescued sinners. That that is God's treasured possession. Is that he would make us. He would rescue us. That he would pay a ridiculously high price for us, the blood of his son, for something not worth the blood of his son. To to buy us back off the slave market of sin and to make us the treasured possession in the palace of the kingdom of God, a palace that makes Versailles look like a tool shed. And this is God's way of treating us as His people. To be the people of God makes you His treasured possession. Number two, look at verse 19. He has declared He will set you in praise, fame, and honor, high above all the nations. Fame and honor. Uh, On Thursday, I was uh, writing this sermon Thursday's usually the day I set aside where I kind of go inside a cave and lock the door and write a sermon. And uh, I stopped writing my sermon, though, at 2.30 because I wanted to go watch TV. Because at 2.30 was when the president was awarding the Medal of Honor to that sergeant, I forget his name, who received the Medal of Honor for his heroism in Afghanistan, rescuing like 40 guys and going into the line of fire. It was crazy. But, but you know, to, to see that, to see that, that Marine, you know, standing at attention, the room filled with America's highest dignitaries, and the President of the United States himself bestowing the Medal of Honor on this man, him being lifted up in praise and honor. And isn't it amazing that God has said, you will be my people, my treasured possession, and I will place honor upon you. That, that on that day when Christ comes back, we will stand and we will be, receive honor and it's like, honored for what? <laughs> Just because God is good and gracious. Unlike that Marine, I have nothing that I can say, well, I deserve the Medal of Honor. I have nothing. And yet he will take the honor of Christ and place the honor of the Son of God around our necks and lift us up in fame. And as if that weren't enough, the last thing he says, we'll become a, holy, a people holy to the Lord. Wow, to finally be holy, to finally be purely devoted to the Lord without 
distraction without imperfections. That is our future. The Lord has taken us to be His people. It's so mind-blowing. And so, even though we are here today saying we dedicate ourselves to the Lord, our dedication to the Lord kind of feels like a tiny little water molecule compared to the ocean of God's dedication to us. That, yeah, we're dedicating ourselves to the Lord, but really it's only because He's dedicated Himself to us. It's only because of His prior action. We love Him because He first loved us. And our love for Him, even though it's the same word, love to us, is like totally different magnitudes of love. Our love is so fickle and faltering and on and off and intermittent. And His is like a mighty torrent. It's like Niagara Falls thundering down upon us. His love is so amazing that we would be His treasured possession. And all He asks is that we love and obey Him. That's all He asks. Just love and obey me. And I can't even do that. (laughs) I do it occasionally. You know, Israel couldn't do it. God made this covenant with Israel, and that's the story. They, They blew it. They couldn't keep it. And Israel's failure was not because they were different from us. Israel's failure was a picture of us. Israel's story is humanity's story in microcosm. That God did so much for them. He made a covenant. They took the oath and then proceeded to break it by not staying faithful to the Lord. And so even as we stand here today and I preach this sermon about let's all rededicate ourselves to the Lord, there's like that little voice in the back of my head that's like, yep, been here before, Jeremy. Yeah, I know what it looks like, Jeremy, when you dedicate yourself. It's like a New Year's resolution. (laughs) We know where that's going. And I know it. I know I I can't fulfill the dedication that I want to give to the Lord. Because I I'm still struggle with the flesh and with sin. And so as we dedicate ourselves, we, we look to Jesus Christ. Because even though we're unfaithful, God is always faithful. And if God has said, I'm going to have a holy people, then guess what? He's going to have His holy people. And not even those people's resistance will stop Him. If God has said, I'm going to treasure a people, it's going to happen. And so God, in order to overcome the resistance of His treasured people, God sent Jesus Christ, the great treasure, the most treasured possession of God, God Himself, the the second person of the Trinity, the, the, the most famous and honored one, the Holy One, the true Holy One. And that one came and He took off His medal of honor. He laid down the scepter of His glory He came out of the palace of heaven and He walked on this earth and He kept all of the laws that I have failed so miserably to keep and that you failed so miserably to keep. He kept the laws in our place. And then He died on the cross to pay the penalty for the fact that I didn't keep the laws. It's amazing. He kept the laws I didn't keep and He bore the penalty for the fact that I didn't keep them. So that even though I am such an obstinate man, even though in some ways my life has been a wall built up against God, God has so determined to save a people for Himself that even His own Son would come and overwhelm every obstacle, 
plowing through it like a bulldozer. My sin could not stop him. There is more grace in Christ than sin in us. And so the blood of Christ has overcome. And we are overcome. And so as we stand here today to rededicate ourselves, it's not like a New Year's resolution where we're trying to buck ourselves up and try harder. We recognize that even our our impulse to follow Christ is a gift from Him and that we are encompassed all around, supported, buttressed, carried by His dedication to us. And so even though His dedication comes second in this text, it's already it's actually first and it's last and it's in the middle. So I call you today, South Shore Baptist Church, to rededicate yourselves to the Lord, but to do it in a way that recognizes that it's Him who is carrying us the whole way, that it's only because of Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection that we have any hope of being the people of God and wearing that medal someday, the medal of honor that the Lord will bestow on His people. And so I'd like to end this sermon and uh, this service with us dedicating ourselves to the Lord. Uh, if you take out that piece of paper you received out in the parking lot, if you don't have one, maybe someone can share. If you look on the back at the top, where it starts with, Do you, the people of South Shore Baptist, declare the Lord to be your God? See that little section there? In a moment, not right now, but in a moment, we're going to stand and go through this liturgy of rededication together. But before we do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take a moment of silence to read it. Because one of the things that annoys me is when people do liturgies and they don't mean it, they're just saying words. What's the point? So I want you to read this. And if this is something that can put words to your heart's desire to dedicate yourself to the Lord, then in a moment you can stand and say it with me. So just read through it. It's real simple. I wrote it so it won't have any big words. I invite you to stand. And let us commit ourselves to the Lord together as a church. And then after that, I will, I will pray a prayer of dedication. And then the choir will sing. Do you, the people of South Shore Baptist Church, declare the Lord to be your God? Do you commit yourselves to love the Lord and obey His Word? Do you pledge yourselves to be faithful to the Gospel? Do you dedicate this facility to the Lord? And how do you intend to fulfill these promises? To join me in prayer, stay standing and let's pray. Almighty God, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept all your promises to us. And you've brought us the Savior, Jesus Christ. With your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled. Now, O Lord, for the sake of your own name, I pray that you would look with mercy on this congregation whom you have taken to be your treasured possession, purchased with the precious blood of Jesus, and enable this church to keep the promises they've made today. Lord, fill their hearts with supreme love for you. Enable this church to love you with all their hearts and all their souls and all their minds and all their strength. Lord, cause them to treasure Jesus above all else as the pearl of great price, as the treasure hidden in the field. May their utmost desire be to know you more and more. Lord, may newcomers to this place encounter a people who fear the Lord. Lord, fill up the hearts of this people with sincere and sacrificial love for one another, so that all men will know that we are your disciples. Lord, grant them grace to forgive each other their small grievances, as they consider the eternal debt of sins you have forgiven them. By your power, Lord, cause them to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Make them holy just as you are holy. Lord, I pray that you would send a refiner's fire through this church to purge this people of sin so that their lives might be purified vessels ready for holy service. Prune and tend this vineyard so that we might bear fruit a hundredfold. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on this congregation to enable them to speak the gospel more boldly. Give them an insatiable desire to see people come to faith in Jesus. Lord, visit this pulpit with unusual power so that many might be saved and brought to you. Empower the testimony and teaching of your people in the classrooms of this building, in the conversations in the lobby, and Lord, beyond the walls of this building to the ends of the earth. Father, call forth new pastors, new missionaries, new ministries, and new congregations. Father, we pray that you would thunder down the spring rains of revival. Lord, send an overwhelming nor'easter of awakening so that we might see thousands and thousands saved. Lord, we boldly ask this for New England. And now, Almighty God, We dedicate this building to you for your glory and the spread of your word within and without its walls. Use this facility as a tool to accomplish all these requests. Bless this building for decades of faithful gospel ministry. And Lord, not only do I pray for your blessing on this building, but in the name of Jesus, I also invoke a curse upon this building. Lord, should this congregation ever abandon the gospel, should this congregation ever preach another name besides Jesus, may you curse this place by taking this building away. But gracious Father, we trust you for better things than this. We trust you for things that accompany the grace of salvation. By your grace, Lord, may the greatest days for South Shore Baptist Church and the greatest days for the gospel in New England lie ahead of us. I ask these things through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.